Oh my God. I've been waiting to hear what he has to say. <laughs> Live from Philadelphia, you're listening to Corona, where three gay friends, each professors, creatives, and weirdos, talk with other queer and queer adjacent creatives and personalities about anything they damn well like. From 80s pop culture to hypnotic sex practices, all while we're experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic. Season one of Queerona was recorded between March 15th and May 15th of 2020. So now lean back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, Matt. Hello, Philip. Hi, George. Hi, George. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Philip. What's going on? Just a little thing called COVID-19. Oh. <laughs> you know, I sometimes like, like I get, I think I'm in like this sort of, I've like gone on some kind of sabbatical. And then I think like, I don't want to deal with, you know, COVID-19 and, uh, or I don't want to think about that. So I've like created this whole other realm that I'm like David Bowie in Berlin creating an album, you know? Yeah, like working on this project, it's like, it's caused me to, you know, have to be sequestered and not see anyone because I'm working on this like major project. And like, that's my way of sort of accepting. Because I feel like that's something that like, we're being told that we should all process this the same way or that we should be reacting to things in a certain way. And I think it's obviously important to like, be aware of the brevity of the situation and to like, support various things like people in trouble or social distancing and all that stuff. But I'm not someone that I feel like needs to know every single detail of the news and every single statistic because that's not going to help me and my mental health. This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. Here's our breaking news. There are now more than 1,150,000 cases of coronavirus in this country. I've been thinking a lot about making lists of things that I want to do in the future. One month, two months, five months, seven months. Because I think of things that I've always said, oh, I'd like to do that. For, so for example, on Broad Street down here in my neighborhood is a culinary school. And whenever I would walk by it, it would say Tuesday nights, $10, seven course meals. Cause that's when all the chef, you know, trainees or the students make these meals. Right. Right. And I always thought, you know, that'd kind of be a fun date or that'd be fun to get a group of friends to go to just to see what it's like. Right. You know, on a Tuesday night, I've never done it. Now I can't do it. And I realize, God, everything that I want to do, I need to do, you know, yeah. like I need to, I need to, I don't need to go to Elvez for the 198th lunch, although I will, but you know, like I need to be more expansive in my absorption of humanity. Yeah. I use the word nemininity today. Talk about that. Talk about that word. Nemininity. It's hard, right. it's hard to say. It's certainly rolling off your tongue. Yeah, it's really <laughs> flowing. Sounds like a song title. That'll fill the stadiums. Now That's remind something. us what that refers to. It's like when things are related to each other and they're like emblematic of something larger than themselves, but related, you know, so you might see a broom 
and somebody holding the broom, but then you might like think of like indentured servitude. I mean, you might think of, or you might think a different way and think like a mop. <laughs> Does this make sense? This is a good explanation of femininity. I think the definition worked, but your ex- uh, examples, metaphors, you know, are, we're a little, a little like more there. <laughs> you'd like to hear more. Yeah, I'd like to hear more. Yeah. Well, well, maybe in our, in our next podcast about semantics, I'll get into detail. Um, so we want to bring on for a special guest today, an illustrious icon of media of all kinds. <laughs> a, a, uh, a designer of the most important fetishware, gay fetishware company that's ever existed. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> a, a well-known milliner doing hats for many stars and celebrities. Yes, yes, yes. A philosopher. Oh. With many important status updates that are shared and retweeted. And a general barometer of glamour, David Mason Klopecki. Oh, my God. I've been waiting to hear what he has to say. <laughs> I, I know you are. Tell me more about what she's, what she's thinking, what she's doing. Well, she's currently, I made this um, Medusa head, as you can see. And I realized that, like, there's a couple things that, like, a couple of the heads fell off and whatnot. And then there's, like, a couple things here where there's, like, some flaws because what I think I'm going to do is after this is shot, if it ever is, I'm going to gild it. So therefore all the little things that are, will normally be like hidden by Photoshop and whatnot. And to explain um, to the listener, you're, you're, you're uh, gluing right now with a, a headdress of snakes. Yes. Gluing, can you see it? Can you see it? We can see the heads. Are they, are they like real yeah, the real rattlesnake heads, as and then there's actual um, rubber ones as well. Actual That's, rubber. It's really actual amazing. rubber. It's really Thank good. You. Yeah. So what's fun about it is, I will, um, as I said, yeah, I'll, I, I actually weirdly I went up onto my roof yesterday. Right. This is kind of a weird story. I went up onto my roof yesterday, and there was a door that I really hadn't noticed before. And the door, I had, I want to say maybe if I had noticed it before, it was locked. But maybe I never noticed it before. But either way, there was this door. And I thought, that's weird. And I tried to open it. And it opened. And in the door was like, it was like somebody's like, sculpture room who had what that had become a storage room this is like, on, but, this is on the this, top floor yeah this is on the top floor yesterday okay. so like so it was a kind of like a junk storage room like there's kind of like it was almost nothing of value a couple suitcases that were like empty but like it, it was weird though because it was clearly like a sculptor's studio someone who liked to do sort of like i'm assuming a gay guy liked to do some kind of like antiquing or 
gilding. He was, he had these like extra gilding things, you know, okay. those, uh, those things that you see, there's a head here. Those things that you like that you gild a, a photo with. He had like stacks of gold leafing around. Mm-hmm. And I saw the date and the date was, um, 1991 on the receipt. So no one has been in there in forever. But what's even weirder is the refrigerator and freezer were on and there was still food in there. From 1991? Yeah, I'm assuming. Or a little after, probably. What kind of food? Wolfgang Puck. Really? Yeah. I go to the store to buy a Wolfgang Puck frozen pizza, but a woman with blonde hair and tight black jeans picks up the last Wolfgang Puck frozen pizza and puts it in her cart ahead of me. I said, you know, that Wolfgang Puck frozen pizza has fontina cheese, cilantro, garlic, and pesto sauce on it. You sure you want that? You never had a pizza like Wolfgang Puck frozen pizza before, but she said there were lots of things she'd never done before that she wanted to do. Ding. We've talked to people from Philadelphia and we had one person from New York, but one thing we didn't mention about David was that he's in Los Angeles and maybe you could tell us what the the scene is there. Okay. Well, the scene is interesting. Um, It's lovely. It's really lovely. I don't know if you've, if you've heard the news that because all this now Los Angeles is the most unpolluted city in the world. Wow. So the air is clean. Um, but you know, it is weird not being able to do anything. Um, there's lots of people jogging. That's about it. <laughs> Are you walking around or no? I would walk. Well, so what's cool is, yeah, I started walking around actually Beverly Hills and oh, yeah. this, this neighborhood called Homely Hills. Cause I was like, why not walk around where it's like beautiful architecture and beautiful plants. And it's actually really very nice it's like you know because these homes are shockingly beautiful so some of them are really kind of fun to see and then the landscaping is like better than like you know public parks so then you're kind of sitting there thinking like oh this is actually a really enjoyable experience and i'm looking at beautiful things you also just did this big altruistic thing because you just um you just bought all of these masks and sent them to the Elmhurst Hospital. Yeah, that was great. Lucky thing. Um, I just realized, that, you know, somebody contacted me and they're like, can you make masks? And I actually, I felt bad because I was like, you know, people assume that because I own Slick It Up that like I have like this factory and that's not really how it works. I hire out a factory to make clothes. So I can't just say, ladies, we need to save New York City. This <laughs> Fetish wear companies, the next kinky boots. Yes. It, sounds, it sounds like a musical ready to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're going to save it by making face fetish masks. We're going <laughs> to save it. Oh, God. Starting today. New York. The Thank star. God for fetish wear. Starting yeah. today. So, yeah, it's not that. Um, I think people think that and would like that, but that's just not the case, unfortunately. That's too bad because I'd like to hear the president when he goes through the list of companies that are doing stuff. I'd love to have him. Well, he did slick it up. They did. Still did it. Yeah. Well, well, what I did is I did it in a different way. I had a manufacturer in Asia contact me saying that they had. saying that they had um, masks available, but they only had uh, 5,000. 
So I said, okay, I'll take like 2,000 of them. And um, I just put a thing online and people like raised money in like a second and overnight we shipped them. Have you seen any trends in purchasing with the Slicked Up items in this, pan- no, in this pandemic? I, I, don't even, I don't even look. Like, it's so weird now. It's like, I'm just shocked that people even order things. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I, like we sold a thousand dollars with the product today, which is, you know, not a lot. And it's sort of, but it's still, it's very good for now. Um, yeah. Cause we've had multiple days where there's just nothing. I'm just amazed people are buying things. Who the, where the fuck are you buying these things? But I guess, you know, people wear these things privately. So they want it for their bedroom or whatnot, you know? David, these are amazing. You've got this gorgeous tank top. What's this tank top called? This is the Emperor tank. As you can see, it's made in a four-way stretch, yeah. and it features a leopard sort of king with an octopus sort of like a robe almost, or is it a body, uh-huh. that type of thing? Yeah. It's just like a fantasy sort of uh, design that we thought was quite cool. I, I want to know how relationships are changing in this quarantine environment. Are people... Yeah exploring like if you are now so maybe you are in a polyamorous relationship or you know non-monogamous or whatever and now you and your partner are home bored for 30 days does one person turn to the other and say hey i have something i'd like us to try you know does that right you know i wonder morning baby handsome man Nathaniel is in a committed relationship with a car that he's named Chase. He met Chase in a resale lot about five years ago. Love you, baby. It was love at first sight. His body and then his interior and everything just together just seemed to fit. I just felt an instant connection. You know, and, and, and to push that question even further is, are a bunch of people going to break up as soon as the quarantine is over because they're so sick of being with one another? Uh, I... I think in two years, David, we will hear this expression so many times. Oh, well, during the quarantine, like it'll yeah. be, they got pregnant, they broke up, they fell in yeah. love. You know, you, yeah. you know, oh, after the quarantine, I just realized I didn't love them. Yes. You're going to hear that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. After the quarantine. Oh, would you guys have any more questions for David before we do this? Who is today's Sean Young? If you had to cast... If you had to say Ooh. current Sean Young, who is the current Sean Young? Or Megan Sean Fox. Who? Megan, Megan Fox. Oh, uh, she didn't. No. Have, no, she doesn't have half the talent. But Sean. he's saying the real Sean Young, right? Or no? But like she kind of is like she's not taking it seriously as an actress anymore, right? I don't know who's who's playing the role of Sean Young. And well, the thing is, Sean Young was like kind of a big actress until she started like being known for being crazy. So it's, she's kind of a weird story. Like when she was popular, I think she was just considered beautiful and sort of a, a uh, quiet talent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember when she was trying to get in Batman and she drove in her home yes. woman costume. Yes. That ruined her. The best, the best thing of on TV of all time. Yes. By far. A woman, a woman going completely crazy but also being very sane because it's like what she was doing makes sense if you're, you know, yeah. if you're smart enough, but it comes off so crazy that she tried that. Like, I'm going to be my own Batman villain and show how I should be in the movie Batman because I'm like this. Yes. She's so good. It's so good. 
it's so smart. It's so smart, but it's so weird that it's on the rivers. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. I've been, I've been waiting for that forever to become on YouTube. And I think it did once briefly, but now it's maybe gone. Oh, that's a shame. On Joan Rivers. Because not to grant the Catwoman a meeting and not to see me when I drop by your office indicates that you're not taking care of business and that you don't have a clue as to who the real Catwoman is. Consider this a formal notice that the Catwoman has tried to get through to you and you wouldn't listen. It's kind of interesting. It's like taking that, you know, adage of like, do it yourself, but really like you shouldn't in this case. Well, you know, she did a couple things. What she did is she broke into Tim, Tim, uh, Tim Burton's office. Because she was, she was the original Vicki Vale, which makes total sense. Yes. She injured herself in a a horse riding accident. Yes. She got bumped and then they brought in, uh, what's her name? Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger, mm-hmm. which is so weird because it's always like, why is Kim Basinger in this? Like, she's she's she doesn't fit the look, doesn't make any sense. The styling doesn't make any sense. But then when you think of Sean Young as Vicky uh, Vale, it's like, oh, she's completely perfect and makes total sense. I wonder how they would have dressed her. I'm imagining totally different than Kim Basinger. Yeah, because yeah. Kim Basinger, remember they put her like in turquoise. Like they did, they did some things that were like very different because it was like this blonde, sexy woman, and not this very like '40s dame type of thing. Right. They would have done a more, a more maybe like Margot Kidder and Superman type of styling. Yeah, type or I was even even like even Blade Runner makes sense for that Batman because remember that Batman is very dark. Yeah, that's true. It's dark and deco. It is very dark. It's also weird because, like, to have Kim Basinger and Jerry Hall in the same film, it's like it's kind of too many blondes. Yeah, the same person. But I guess maybe that makes sense. I don't know. But it does make sense. Like Kim Basinger plays so much better off of Sean Young as Vicky Vale because it's like the brunette with the short hair, and then the long-haired blonde who's a villain. It makes so much more comic sense. It's just. It's, it's a weird thing that she, they, but it's weird that they didn't allow her to be Catwoman. That's the thing is that she snuck into his office and hid underneath his desk and popped out dressed like in that Catwoman outfit. Yeah. And he had, and he had, he got security called. You know who well, he wanted to have initially for Catwoman. Yeah. You told me this. It's amazing. Susie. I think the studio had a lot more to say about by that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Such a big thing it was like out of his hands really the options it was like we want these big stars we want like a Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer yeah Michelle Pfeiffer was great though Michelle Pfeiffer was great she was great she was great as the like sort of beaten down Selena Kyle and as Catwoman Mm. I just wish they I just wish they kept Danny or uh Billy D. Williams and made him Two-Face in the second one. That would have been awesome. Yeah, right? There are two rules to remember if you want to have a good time. Rule number one, never run out of Colt 45. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. Because right? he, was, he was set up for that, and then they just kind of like did away with the character. Yeah, they totally did. And then they brought it back with, what's his name? Yeah. 
Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. And, that, and, then, and, then was this, and then when the next one was, so that one was the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones. And then the next one was Mr. Freeze. <laughs> the worst they just got silly. They just got more silly. Poison Ivy and yeah. someone else. Well, they were just casting for stars at that point because it's just so campy. Yeah, and they were just well. That was Joel Schumacher. He camped it up. Right, three, three on. Oh, the two is a little bit campier than one, and then it two yeah keeps two going. Two was still Burton, right? But it's still campier than his first one. Yeah, I think the studio interfered there a little bit, or he didn't know what to do. I think Tim Burton can be kind of campy at times as well, you know? Like, yeah, for sure. Like Mars Attacks. Yeah. Oh campy. my God. Mars Attacks is very campy. Yeah. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman's I, Big Adventure is pretty campy too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, 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 it's interesting that the segue now of Batman, because like in the beginning, remember it only that Batman that Tim Burton made makes so much sense. But what's weird is for people who were not born of that genre, I wonder what young people think because young people didn't see the show on TV in reruns on, on TV and then to have the comic and then we didn't have the internet yet. Whereas nowadays it's like, oh, it makes sense why Batman has like no camp value. It's only totally serious. It's very macho and it's very dark. Mm. Yeah, Whereas for us, it was like bat dance with Prince and super campy and like, because that, the la- the only thing that was made before that movie that we know from 89 was the TV show. Mm-hmm. So it was like, what's this movie going to be like that's like the TV show? I think that there's like a, there's a bucking against that now though, because that's why like Deadpool and all that stuff is becoming popular is like when they did that Batman versus Superman and it was a, a, a failure. They realize yeah. they can't keep doing this serious comic film over and over again. People are tired yeah. of it. And yeah, Spider-Man exactly. has a lot of like that humor. But none of them are art directed anymore. No. No. I mean, the Joker was actually, but it wasn't directed in a campy way. Was it good? No. I really didn't like the story one bit. I mean, this, I, I would say, was it good? Yes, it did a fantastic job of telling that story. Was that story good? No. Right. The story was really bad. A bad concept. I mean, it just ruined the joke. If you're like a Joker fan, I don't know how you could like that movie if you're a homosexual. It's very like heterosexual. They've removed all the camp. They've removed all the color, literally. Yeah. You know, they've, they've removed all the sort of any sort of bitchiness, campiness, silly. They've removed all the silliness yeah. and the fun and made it this very dark thing about a, a wounded man and why he ha- sort of has the right to go become violent because he's been abused. Right. It's, very, it's really actually not a good story at all. It's a really terrible, terrible story. I think the, 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 the masculine, masculination of the Joker started with Heath Ledger. And while I really like Heath Ledger's performance, that is the like the Joker at his best has always been like comedic and fay. <laughs> oh, how delicious it is! I mean, Batman and the Joker, and this has been right. years, are like like just there's so much gay like nightmare and homophobia all in in and out of these characters. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, 
like I'm not assuming anything between Batman and Robin, but or or the shit that you heard people say about Schumacher. But the Joker is clearly in love with Batman to some extent. You know what I mean? Like right. You don't go and and terrorize a town and then tie a guy up, you know, and they're basically right. it's all in fetish wear with bright right. colors. And, right. You know, there's a lot and I think that they moved that away. And I that's I think they lost something. Yeah, well absolutely. It's it's like when you it's like when they take He Man and Skeletor and they make Skeletor like a um if you remove the humor from Skeletor, you just have Conan. Yeah, it's stupid. That's yeah, the thing. It's not interesting. It's like it's like Conan is its own thing, and that's great. But He Man and Skeletor are very different. You know, right? Yeah, because Skeletor is a little bit of a fop and a dandy. Yeah, and exactly. So when you remove that, like they've done in like the some other ones, and he just becomes like a villain. It's just like he's really boring. And this is just. The Conan story again. You try my patience, witch. It's the sorceress, you boob. Back up, muscle boy. You furry coward. Come, you fools. Too late, fools. Curse you all, fool. You blundering fool. All these cartoons, because that is where we did have Batman between the TV and the movie would be the the cartoons, right? I think of like yeah. Lex Luthor in those cartoons, Skeletor, and then Cobra Commander are all kind of like... Oh my God! Foppish in that way. That Lex Luthor when he had the pink shirt yeah. and the yeah. Well, Lex Luthor when you should one of the best the best lines from Challenge of the Super Friends is Lex Luthor in that pink shirt in the green pants and somehow he disguises himself as the woman and gets out of jail. He's in a jail cell and he tricks the police officer to come in the jail cell and locks him in the cell and leaves. And then the policeman yells, "You can't just get away with this!" And he turns around as the woman and just goes, yeah, watch me. (laughs) And now to proceed with my plan. Goodbye, Miss Lane. I hope you enjoy your stay in prison. Wait, Luthor, you can't leave me here like this. Oh, no? Watch me. It's not even him, but it's his voice in the cartoon of a woman. That's amazing. I gotta watch that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch me. Watch me. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's the thing about oh. these comics and, uh, and everything is that they had, like, such a gay subtext to them. And now, like, these, it's, these shows have all become kind of straight. Yes. Well, I was talking about this yesterday in my other interview, when I was interviewed yesterday. <laughs> uh, in my interview yesterday... Uh, we were talking about He-Man. I was, for some reason, I thought it was a very strange interview. It was a man claiming to be writing an article for Men's Health about the action figure that Super 7 created of the laughing He-Man. I was like, how is this going to be anything more than there's this character? Like, that's it. Apparently, he's writing, like, a whole thing on it. Wow. But I thought, is this just some weird creeper who just wants to like see pictures of my feet or something? You know, <laughs> it's very possible. Yes. No, it's very possible. Have you ever done that? Like I did that recently. Like the last time I was, last time I was photographed, <laughs> which is many years ago now. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I, I got photographed by this guy, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I want to do a thing on you for FIT um, graduates." Da 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 da. It's for the right. FIT newspaper, and then I'm, I'm like. At one point, I'm like, he's like, 
so can you just take your shoes and socks off and pose on the bed? And I'm like, like, you think I'm stupid? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yes, I will absolutely take my shoes and socks off for you. But if you think you're fooling me that this isn't a fetish scene for you, you've got another thing coming. Right. Yeah. really what it is. But photographers so often are creeps with, yeah. with a secret fetish agenda. Like, they almost all are. The only thing is, is like some are just not creeps. They all, they, all photographers really are sort of pervs that want to like capture you, you know? Well, I think it's but, a for like certain people to like meet men because they're like, I'll take your photo. By the way, yeah. you know, I, I, I can, I've thought of many, had many instances where then suddenly, you know, yes. we're close. Well, because the thing is, you know, all those things used to be so gay because in the 80s, you couldn't, there was no such thing. There's, there was really kind of no such thing as gay in the 80s. It was such a horrible thing. It like didn't have a face. You know what I mean? Like nobody was gay. Everything was so gay. You could get away with being super gay and just say, I'm not gay and you're not gay. Like Boy George never said he was gay. Like when he won that thing on the Oscar, or the, the Grammys or whatever, and he said, not bad for a drag queen. And they all went, oh, that he even said that was crazy. Yeah, that that shocked so, them. <laughs> and shocked them. Not his so, appearance. yeah. And so the whole thing of like, the fact that, you know, you could be as gay as you wanted and just not say you were gay. And it almost was like you weren't gay. Like Liberace. Liberace never said he was gay. Yeah. But yeah. he was super, super, super gay. But you could get away with it. And then because of that, there was this weird thing where straight guys were super insanely gay looking. Like if you look on the cover of like, you know, uh, look what the cat dragged in of the poison album, there is not even comedy drag. They're in passable woman drag. Right. right. And it's, they, and they were the straightest thing going. So there was this, this whole thing of because gay couldn't exist and it wasn't real, you could be super gay and super gay things then could exist under this like hidden code that, oh, don't worry, nothing's gay. You know, so He-Man was super insanely gay, yet no one picked up on it because it was the 80s. Whereas when the people watch it now, they're like, this is the gayest thing I've ever seen. Absolutely. There's something, there's like a window of time where gay was like mysterious enough or that, but and the things that gay people could bring was interesting enough to penetrate popular culture but we didn't they didn't know to name it and so we were able to be influenced we we were able to be influential on pop culture for a period of time where now you're just like oh that's a gay guy or oh that's a drag queen yep you can help support queerona podcast by sponsoring us on patreon Go to patreon.com slash queerona, where there are several tiers of support where you can assist us with our production and bringing new voices for season two of Queerona. There are three tiers of support. Oh my God, what are you doing? There are four tiers of support for Queerona. Our first tier is a $15 shout out. Our second tier 
gives you all access to all of season one immediately at $40. At $50, you receive that plus the shout out. And for those who really want to support us, you can get a luxury t-shirt designed by collage artist Toby Celery for $100. I have two things I recommend. One is Formay D'Ambert cheese. I just think it's fantastic. Harder to find, but it's like a smoky blue, blue cheese. It's very good. And then I, my other recommendation is goldbelly.com. Goldbelly.com. That's goldbelly.com, where you can order any food you like. Um, in the world, you just look up, I would like a strawberry rhubarb pie, and then they have like five of the best strawberry rhubarb pies in America. And they ship them to you by a set. Stop it. I'm looking at the website now. <laughs> just anything you it's want. A, it's fantastic. Get out of here. I mean, it's it. not cheap. You end up having to pay like $80 for a cake. But I mean, a cake shipped to you for $80 is kind of amazing when it's coming from like Alabama. Like literally, it's really cool. Right. Like my sister sent me, a, sent me a cake from Texas for my birthday. Oh my gosh, you can get anything. Like, what do they do? They freeze dry it? or I like, guess a free, they free out. It was uh, like dry ice. Yeah. It hey, was delicious. The cake I had was fantastic. Well, yeah, nice. I had it in years. You can send Pat's King of Steaks, which is a big thing here in Philly. Oh my God. Like, it's a lot of local stuff. That get can- that stimulus money going. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. So you can order, yeah, like you can order Philly cheesesteaks from... Philadelphia to you to you in uh, like uh, yeah wherever you are in Anchorage, Alaska. How long does it take? Uh, just I would say uh, three days. That's interesting. So my recommendation is this documentary that was created by the BBC in the late seventies called about the Chelsea Hotel um, called Arena, and it has a young Jim Jarmusch working on the set of this film. And it's when you still had all of these artists. It was post Sid Vicious dying in the hotel, but uh, before the 80s. So you still had people like Nico. You have Andy Warhol um, having lunch with uh, William Burroughs in it. You have um, Jabriath singing a song in this like pyramid uh, apartment building that's on the top of the Chelsea Hotel. And I've been thinking a lot about like bedroom culture as, you know, we're all trapped in our bedrooms or trapped in our apartments. And this yeah. idea of like expressing ourselves, you know, even when we're in these small spaces and how we can like still communicate and express like this, this culture. And how do you like take these, these ideas that might be so geographically small and located to your room, like, and how, the Chelsea hotel to me is like a marker of a, or blueprint of how people can be like creative in these small spaces and communicate with each other. Of all the cities I've ever visited, the one most totally given over to the idea of success is New York. All those people down there are either hurrying or sauntering toward what they call the big time. And if my voice were loud enough, I would now shout down to them to explain that all they need is to have a lifestyle of their very own. 
And it's appropriate that I should be standing on this balcony to discuss this matter, because this is the hotel where the great stylists have lived. Uh, Philip? Um, I, uh, and I prepared this before tonight, but it really fits in because there's been a lot of talk tonight about food and my uh, media. I was going to suggest um, the Instagram account of the chef Eric Repair. Uh, he's a famous chef, famous French chef, but he's been doing like these little tutorials through pictures. He doesn't talk. He just shows you like, it'll be like a swipe through of different photos and some are little videos. And he puts in directions of like really simple things you can do in your actual kitchen. And like, I was saying, let's try to look up the date. I think it's about April 13th or so. He has these, he shows you some asparagus and they're just like simmering in water. And they're so green and he has like harp music or some kind of like spa music playing. It's just like really delightful. Uh, it's very relaxing, but they're also like very pragmatic recipes. You can actually do really simply in a home and it doesn't hurt that he's a extremely good looking silver Fox as well. Even though he's not really in mm. photos. Silver Fox. Matt, what's yours? Well, thank you for asking. It, mine's also connected to some themes we discussed tonight. Um, I want to recommend Brian, and I'm probably going to say this wrong. Get this, I, I'm terrible at pronunciation. Brian Azzarello's Wonder Woman. So Brian Azzarello is kind of a noir writer. <clears throat> he wrote a lot of kind of more uh, adult or crime-based comic books, and then he took over Wonder Woman in 2011. They rebooted her. <laughs> a soft reboot, as they say. And uh, he kind of made her comic very horror, mythological-based, as opposed to, you know, all-American girl or superheroine. So it was very much, while she was Wonder Woman, you know, there's the bracelets, the lasso. The events have been tallied. And two Amazons are now tied for the honor. There is only one way to break the deadlock. Bullets and bracelets. The bikini. She's very much involved in this conflict between Greek deities. Zeus is dead, and the Pantheon is arguing and fighting over the throne. And it's just a beautifully drawn series. And the way it presents these mythological gods that we're all familiar, you know, like the, the Greek gods are really have a strong brand for a, a religion, you know, like everybody knows them yep. you know, planets named after them and there's deviations. And so it's interesting to see these non, you know, clash the Titans versions of these characters, as well as these, the, the story that navigates around kind of the idea of absolute power and being a God, like there's a difference between being a God and being a leader. And it's very clearly presented in this, you know, and there's a, there's, there's, there's a, there's a difference between being a God and being worshiped. You could be feared, you know, you, you might not be respected, but you're feared. You know, if I can turn your, you know, if I can turn you to stone by snapping my fingers doesn't mean you're going to love me. It just means you're not going to fuck with me. There's a, there's a really, it's just a really fascinating. I haven't binged comic books in a long time. 
and mostly because there's not a lot of comic books to binge. And I really had never read this. It hadn't turned me on in years ago when it came out, almost 10 years ago. Um, but I just started absorbing it now and it's just so good. And, and yeah, I would recommend it. It's available online. Uh, you can get trade paperbacks. Um, I'm reading it on the DC Universe app. Well, we want to thank our special guest, David Mason. You can check out all of the exciting clothing options for you at slickitup.com. Perhaps you want a garment to wear during this quarantine. Some sexy look for a photograph, for a video. Surprise your lover when they leave one room and come into (laughs) it. Yes. you imagine like if you just walked into the bedroom, you've been in quarantine for, for, for a month and you walk into the bedroom and there's your lover in fetish wear. I, I, I would be happy. Welcome to Slick It Up, where we take the business of men's underwear, active wear and fetish wear very seriously. We offer the most reliable customer service. And a dedicated staff that is always here to serve. Excuse me, Mr. Kopecki. Your two o'clock is here. Thank you. Stay! Each of our high-quality garments is tested in-house by our committed research and development professionals. Yes, at Slick It Up, we believe in the details. From the handwritten thank you card you'll receive with every order. (laughs) Here, just give it back this time. (laughs) To a staff that's always willing to give a little more. We're short on candy slang. As we say here at Slick It Up, there's nothing we love more than going all the way. Get to know us better at slickitup.com. You've been listening to Queerona. Queerona was hosted by George Alley, Matthew Ray, and Philip Moore. With editing by Paul Schuler. Theme song, Undivided Attention, by George Alley. Available iTunes. To support Queerona, please go to patreon.com backslash Queerona. Queerona is available on iTunes, automatic.com. <laughs>